Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. All right, Mason, after after one week off from wonderful program, the only liberty podcast around as far as I know that's about wine, uh, I guess we're ready to kind of dive back into something that we've uh, talked about a little bit before, which is this bill in Texas, HB4233. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, did you did you read any of my notes on it? No, I uh, wasn't able to read the notes, but I figured that was probably a good thing because you would give me like a, a good recap of one, kind of a restate of what the kind of the original thing of the bill is and then what's happened since then but first not to get the review of the wine out of the way just what are you specifically sipping on now because it looks like from the notes you may have two so i think you're just on one at the moment i am on just on one but i have two in my notes and it's it's to sort of make a point about what we're going to discuss in the bill recap okay uh and so what I'm sipping on right now is uh, Sleeper's Oakville Reserve uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from 2013. It's uh, 14.9% alcohol by volume. Very, very beautiful color. It's a deep purple, uh, consistent coloring throughout, which kind of indicates that it's a it's a younger wine. Now, 2013 for a cab is pretty young. Um, it's it's really, I got to say, just a very beautiful color. I, I like looking at it. It's, it's just very pretty. Uh, Smell-wise, it's got... Really nice black fruit, a lot of ripe cherry and vanilla, which uh, for the listeners, when, when you smell a little bit of vanilla on wine, it t- typically indicates oak aging. And um, because it's a California Cabernet Sauvignon, of course, it's got <laughs> oak aging. <laughs> uh, so taste-wise, uh, black fruit, very smooth tannins, incredibly well-balanced with the acidity and the fruit. Um, it is a little bit hot on the throat, but it's been I've had it decanting now for several hours and uh that kind of smoothed out a little bit so it's not as hot although i, I do kind of like the hot on the throat it's kind of a, like a nice uh sensation well, now, let me ask you a question in that so i know a lot of the times that's something that you look for in your cabs now are you saying that on this wine you preferred it when it was a little hotter on the throat or are you saying just in general that's kind of your kind of go-to and it just bleeds over here in general, I do kind of like I do like the a little hotness. Mm-hmm. This still has it, even though it's decanted, but it's really subdued okay. now. So it and but I like that too because as it decanted, it kind of came into even more balance. So the tannins smoothed out even more. The heat's a little bit gone. There's there's still a lot of fruit flavor up front, but the acidity kind of is showing better, I think now. And uh, the you know, to use like Elizabeth from Wine for Normal People's analogy, the the frame of the picture is very even mm-hmm. now. Uh, and, you know, if you stretched a canvas over it, you'd be able to paint a very nice picture. It wouldn't be distorted at all. This is a very, very well constructed, I think. It's got a really nice long finish, so it sticks with you in the mouth for a while. Um, it does have a little bit of spiciness from the oak, kind of like... Um, Maybe not cinnamon, but like kind of like a nutmeg, kind of like more like hmm. uh, cooking spices, not like pepper yeah. or or cloves or something like that. More like a like nutmeggy, maybe maybe cinnamony a little bit, um, and it does have that vanilla in it. I I think this is a really great Cabernet Sauvignon. I think I've actually reviewed this before, but this is the first time I've decanted it mm-hmm. and kind of drank it over a much longer period of time. And I bought two bottles of it. This is my last bottle, unfortunately. I kind of wish I had gotten 
you know, 12 bottles of it because it's so good, but it was kind of expensive too. Yeah. So it, uh, it, it re, well, it doesn't retail for anything actually because this particular wine is, the sleeper label is, belongs to last bottle wines. Mm-hmm. So they do put out a lot of different wines and I, basically whatever they are putting it out as, that's the retail price because they don't sell it anywhere else besides last bottle wines. Interesting. Uh, so I think I got, I think this one was $40. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I got two bottles of it, which indicates that it was expensive or more expensive than I'm normally willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause usually if it's like 20 bucks, I'll buy six. <laughs> um, gotcha. yeah. Now the other one that I'm not drinking right now, also a Cabernet Sauvignon, also Napa Valley, mm-hmm. different, different vintage. It's uh Emerson Brown Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon 2015. Uh, it's not from the Oakville oakville region so oak so for those who don't know oakville is a region of napa valley so it's a subdomain as as they call it or a sub a sub appellation mm-hmm. um and so this one is non-specific source so it's cabernet sauvignon from napa i'm not sure where specifically it's sourced but they didn't say a sub-region so it's either not prestigious or it's sourced from multiple areas um this one's 14.5 alcohol by volume uh, I finished that bottle, so I don't actually have a glass of it, but I'll, I'll read my notes. So it says it has a nice dark garnet, which uh, is that kind of brownie red color that we've talked mm-hmm. about before. Um, smell is black fruit, spice vanilla, a little bit of tobacco notes, maybe a little bit of leather. Um, so taste uh, red fruit juice, a lot lighter body than I expected it to have, it being a Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, but not unpleasant. Uh, tobacco, cedar. Smooth tannins, medium finish. Uh, and then my conclusion is, overall, this was very nice, and the price uh, was right, but not that special. Uh, pretty much what I would expect from a well-constructed Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, I got it from Last Bottle, also, uh, for under $40. Now, it normally retails for, I think, $46, so it's a it's an okay buy. It's not a great buy. Um, but I did put it in my notes. I said I would buy it again at the price point, but only if there wasn't something more interesting available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I specifically chose to kind of put these into our notes, and I'll make a stronger point about it later. So these are two wines from the same appellation. One is from a specific subdomain uh, but or sub subregion. So just keep that in mind as we move on to the article. But Mason, what are you drinking today? So- I have gone uh, with the younger brother of Cab, um, the way people talk about it. And, and it's not necessarily how we talk about it, but there's a lot of people who do. Um, so the I have the Quinta do Valido uh, Turinga Nacional. Um, it's a 2015, so the Turinga Nacional is the national grape of Portugal. Um, so quite a few people kind of you know, put it up like it's kind of like the next cab sob of the red wines a lot. Um, this one, uh, 2015, so it's at a Thoreau, um, which is a very famous area and wine growing region in uh, Portugal. Uh, 14% alcohol by volume, so it's 100% um, Terreal Nacional, so uh, bottled after 18 months of aging in 220. So this is interesting in 225 liter French oak barrels. So they're actually telling you the age of the barrels. Um, there's a 16 to 18 C, like a little temperature gauge on it. I'm not sure if they're telling me that, that I should be serving it at that temperature or if it was like 
aged at that temperature. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure what they're, what they're trying to say specifically there. Um, so I got this from one of, so as you know, Jacob, I, I don't, I don't buy a lot of last bottle wines just because of the, the higher price point. I'm still a little cheap on that. Like, um, so my wife, as you know, and the listeners know who are, you know, been around for a while that she got me a, the gold medal wine club, the international edition for the year, um, for my birthday in January. So I get three bottles of wine at a time. Gold medal for the international club does a country at a time. So first was Chile. Um, now it's Portugal. So I have a uh, rosé that I'm probably going to split with my wife because I'm not a huge rosé oh, person. Yeah. Um, and she really does love. Where, where, where's where's that rosé from? I'm just kind of curious. Uh, the from Portugal as well. Oh yeah, really? No, so okay, like, interesting. Um, I had two reds and a rosé from Portugal. With the uh, huh. Chilean, I had two reds and a white because it's two reds and then either a white or a rosé depending on the country. Uh, oh, and then, and they wait. So they this actually sounds like kind of a cool wine yeah. club. So they send you like a different country every mm-hmm. time. That's really and cool. It, like because she bought the upgrade package, it has like um, like food and stuff. So like I've got like Portuguese um, olive oil, and there was Portuguese chocolates in it, and then the Chilean had chocolates, and then. Like two of the hot sauces we have in the house were from the Chilean one. I mean, it's it's really cool. Like, I mean, you know, it's kind of expensive for what it is, um, but it's really good. Now this retails on. So the kind of the thing about Gold Medal Wine Club is a lot of their stuff like you can only get from them. So like, whereas Last Bottle may have bought out the remains of a supply, you theoretically could have purchased it. Unless it's their their label, you could have purchased it from somewhere else, and then you know just yeah, and and sometimes it's still sometimes it's still available from other places. It's just they usually have it at a yeah. discount, and it's kind of what's what is left. But well, I'll come back to last yeah. bottle wines so, after you're done with your review because I do want to talk a little bit about yeah. Them. So this is um, sells for fifty two a bottle on there. Um, this is one of those. So it's soup like you know Turinga. Uh, Tariga National, like what I remember of it, it's almost a black wine. Um, and this is, you know, like that, except for the edges. The edges have a really faint purple to it. Um, to me, it doesn't have a lot of smell, but you know me, like I'm not I'm not super strong on the smell. And this is kind of like um like a mid-level cab to me, where I know something's going on, but I'm not getting a huge amount out of it. And but so like up front. It, it's been drying my mouth out, but that's kind of on the back end. So, but it, it's not like it's specifically like very tannic and it's not like specifically very acidic to me, but it's got a lot of the uh, heat we were talking about. So like on the, on the swallow and in like kind of the mid mouth uh, timing. So like, you know, let's say you, you bring it into your mouth and you swallow the mouthful within five seconds. That first second doesn't really have a lot of heat. And that last half a second doesn't, but in between it does. So, but, um, so it's a pretty nice looking bottle. Um, so what's kind of funny is it's got this, you know, uh, it's got a two tone label or it's got a two piece label on the top and the front. So the front's got like a, um, like a coat of arms, let's call it. But I kept thinking it was a QR code. (laughs) 
because the way it's embossed in the color, it's pretty nice. So it's black and white there. Um, and then it's got below it like an orange yellow with black writing where it tells you the, the winery, um, the late, the area. Um, there's a gold sticker from gold medal wine. So, you know, kind of tell people where it came from, but then like on the back, it's got like the Duro like embossed label or not, it's not actually embossed, but kind of there like, Hey, this is actually from us. Um, but it's all part of the main label. So it's like they made an American label and like half the labels in Portuguese and half the labels in English. So I don't know if they're like, Hey, we knew you'd, you know, they knew they would export it, but it, I mean, it, it's one of those wines where like, I'm kind of disappointed I opened it because I want, this is one of those wines where like, I'd really like to share this with you. Cause I know like I'm missing some stuff and I didn't decant it very long, you know, all that, that standard stuff. But the whole reason I opened this bottle is like Wednesday and Thursday, I got kind of on a kick of drinking. So like Wednesday night, I opened that Intante, um, uh, Tempranillo that I sent you the picture of that, like my wife and I said, like was really spicy and like almost bubbly. Like it was so odd. But like I, and it was a Spanish one. I mean, it was really good. Like, and it was like 10 bucks at Kroger. I was disappointed because like, when I went back to Kroger this weekend, I couldn't find it, but I could find a Chardonnay that they had, but because I didn't really care for Chardonnay and I couldn't find another red from them. I was like, all right, all right. You know, I'll just, I'll let it go for now. I'll, I'll try to find something from them later. Um, so I got a New Zealand, uh, Sauvignon Blanc, but I didn't I haven't opened that. So I was like, but I had been on this kick like having drinking on Tante and I was like, I want another red wine. And I've got the rosé and two whites from my other wine. So I opened this one and I had already blown out my palate with that Tempranillo. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, drink, this, drink, this drink. One, <laughs> this, this one's actually, now granted, like the, the scores don't mean a huge amount because wine is so subjective. But uh, there is, uh, it, this is actually like a almost a 90 point wine. This is pretty, pretty... Mm-hmm. A, a pretty decent rated wine. Yeah, the, that's the uh, thing about the the gold medal wine club. Like each shipment, like I don't know what the promised value of the wines are, but there's usually one that's kind of low. There's one that's mid, and then there's a higher one. Now, I mean, like obviously a higher one, you could drink a three thousand dollar bottle of wine. It's not that high, but it's still pretty high for a you know if you look at like the total year shipment cost, which I haven't done, kind of to you know not be putting out like trying to figure out what my wife spent on me basically. But yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be a really well-rated wine. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, it looks so like from wine spectator, it's got 90 from, uh, James suckling. It's got 91 from, uh, wine and spirits. It's got 90 from, I mean, 92. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. That's yeah. It's got a lot of really good ratings. Uh, so yeah, wow! This is that's nice. That's a good wine club. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's one of those wine clubs. What a nice, what a nice gift. Yeah, it was. It's <laughs> seriously like one of my favorite gifts of in a while. So you know, like the and the other one was uh, so they have the other two were like a Co Miguel red blend and a Co Miguel um, rosé. The rosé uh, sells for fifteen, and then the red blend sells for eighteen. So I mean, you know you kind of get an idea of what the cost was and, but I mean, it was still like, um, yeah. So the other one had Alcante Bouchette, Turinga Franca and Turinga Nacional is the blend. And then this one's a hundred percent. So, I mean, it's pretty, pretty interesting. So that sounds, I mean, that sounds yeah. cool. That's a good review, man. I like yeah. it. 
I kind of want to try it. <laughs> Maybe I have to join Gold Medal Wine Club. <laughs> I, I, I recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got. I'm flush yeah. with wine, but it's not. A, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> and and I've got. I've got a lot coming because I put. You know, kind of going back to Last Bottle Wines. I get a lot of stuff from Last Bottle Wines now, and. Uh, they have the option to put your wines on hold. And it's so hot in Texas right now, I really don't want wine shipping to me because it's going to be in the truck for a long time. It's you know The truck gets hotter than the outside temperature, and the outside temperature is like 105 degrees. Yeah, and if they air freight it, it gets hot on the tarmac. It gets cold in the air. It gets hot on the tarmac again. So, like, it's really not, like, a great time to be sending wine. And, like, you know, Napa's pretty warm not napa itself isn't pretty warm but like a lot of that area in california is pretty warm too yeah right well what's great is that they'll hold it for you in a temperature you know in their their warehouse which is temperature controlled because they're they're a wine retailer they they keep things in temperature controlled environments and so it's temperature controlled they'll hold it for you until a later date when it cools down which i think they start shipping them back out in september Mm -hmm. uh like late september and so when that happens, the ones that I've I've ordered and put on hold, those will ship all to me, and I'll get you know. Well, depending on how many I buy from between now and and then, <laughs> they'll I, I might be getting a very large shipment of wine. I mean, like, but I'm uh, starting to guess is it already over thirty? <laughs> no, 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 not over thirty. I, I've I've I made a new kind of rule for myself, which is I'm only going to be buying things that are sixty percent off the retail value. Uh, and because I, there's classes and stuff that I want to take, plus as as you and and I think I've shared this with the listeners know, uh, I'm trying to go for my W set three. So there's certain wines that I need to get and do blind tastings at home with to just kind of get better at that kind of thing. And uh, so I need to go down to you know Total Wine or the local wine shop or whatever and get these wines and then have you know maybe have Victoria set me up a blind tasting and be like, here's the three. Now tell me which one's which, kind mm-hmm. of. And, and that's you know that's part of the 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 test is that you know you can taste something and you can go like oh it's like this it's like this it's like this it must be a California Cabernet Sauvignon mm-hmm. um, or something near that yeah and and that's how you get scored is how close because a, Cab- a Cabernet Sauvignon from California is is obviously going to be very different than Quinta do Valdo Doro uh, Torrega Nacional mm-hmm. you know they're very different but kind of to the point of of last bottle wines, one of the the things that's really nice about them, and, and I'm you know to to be f- very frank with the listeners, I'm gonna I'm trying to sell you on this because I know that it is difficult sometimes to pick good wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a curated wine club, which is really nice, and it and they're gonna send you you know gold medal winning wines, yeah. which is is very helpful because you don't go into Total Wine and see everything on the wall and are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Now I I kind of like going into Total Wine and just seeing everything, and I do get overwhelmed still. And uh, it's it's sometimes difficult to pick stuff. Sometimes I got to text Jackson Blood and be like, "Hey, dude, is this good?" <laughs> and and he'll be like, "No, no, not at all. Don't pick that." And, and then uh, you buy it anyway because it's like, "Hey, wait." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait, it's it's only nine dollars. I'll buy it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so you know that's a little overwhelming. So if if the listeners are interested in getting better wine and starting to experience a little bit better wine, but you know kind of what you like, you know that you like uh, red wines. Uh, that's the first place to start. What do you like? Red, white? Do you like rosés? All of those are available on Last Bottle Wines. You just got to keep an eye out at it. And 
if you know that you like red wines and you know that you like robust red wines, you know that when a, a Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon comes up for $20 on last bottle wines, original price $55, you know that's something that you could risk. Mm-hmm. And you could risk it by only buying one or two bottles at that price because you're going to get free shipping if you go to tastinganarchy.com and sign up through our link. So you're not even going to have to pay for shipping. You're going to get a wine that is curated. It's guaranteed to be a higher quality wine. Usually they're rated at over 90 points. Um, now, granted, the point system I, I don't put a whole lot of faith in too because it, it, wine is very, very, very mm-hmm. subjective. But you are going to get a wine that is uh, a small producer almost always. Uh, and the small producers do tend to put a little bit more effort into making a, a classy, high quality yeah, and wine. That's the- the other thing about it, like with a small producer, is you're getting an expression of them at the time where, like, and this is not to, like, knock Robert Mugabe and, like, you know, the big wine houses, but, you know, they have brands and labels that need to be consistent. And, and that's kind of the thing that the French do is, you know, they spend a lot of time on, like, working on being consistent, which isn't bad, especially if you're building a brand and a reputation. But when you're talking about these small wine producers, like one of the things that's like really nice is like if you know that like you like this one brand or one, you know, seller, you can see what they're trying to do year to year or what they have available to them. Whereas like, you know, some of the big houses are they're going to blend, they're going to do a bunch of stuff to bring it to a specific point. And a lot of times it's to be a consistent product, which isn't bad. Like mass production works for a reason, but... One of the things that about wine and one of the reasons, one of the ways you're going to get better and, and learn to enjoy wine more is by trying things that will change and kind of knowing that like, Hey, wait a minute. The last time I had this, there was that kind of vanilla flavor. What was that Jacob was saying about vanilla? Oh, it's on French oak. Did they change their bottling process or their change their aging process? Maybe they did. Or Maybe, you know, there's something else that's really dominant in the wine this year. And like you said, with last bottle wine, and that's one of the things that I always have a problem with with last bottle wine, is I still get overwhelmed looking at their stuff. And like, you know, you and I drink a lot of wine. I get overwhelmed looking at their reds a lot because, you know, so many of the reds come up and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I understand that objectively this is a good bottle of wine. But just like this uh, Tariga Nacional, like, I'm not sure if I'm getting everything out of it. And, you know, when I'm spending $40 on a bottle of wine that may have started 80 bucks, you know, it's it, like I know objectively I'm getting a good deal. But if I'm leaving $20 worth of flavor on the table, for me personally, that's more troublesome than, you know, drinking kind of more swillish wine when I buy the discounted wine at Kroger that's really actually just the normal price. But hey, I'm still buying a $10 bottle of wine and enjoying myself, generally, usually a lot. So, yeah. Well, I mean, so that's that's a great way to go for it. You know, I still get stuff from Kroger occasionally mm-hmm. um, and, and from and from Total Wine. I, I think they're both both great places. I actually, I'm going to, I need to make, I was supposed to make a Total Wine run today, but they, apparently they're close on Sundays at here and I, I didn't realize that was a thing, but um, I have I have six bottles of wine for another wine class that I'm taking that I need to get, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I'll go check and see what they have. They don't always have the ones – usually what usually with what's going on with me is I'm looking for these very specific ones for specific classes, mm-hmm. and I'm trying – you know, I'm trying – like I said, I'm trying to go for my WSET3 uh, certification. I do kind of want to like dip my toes into the wine industry a little bit and start – 
getting into the business side a little, you yeah. know, sales basically. And there are there's a lot of demand for sales in in the wine industry. So if you guys are interested in W set stuff, that's that's a good way to go. It's it's relatively cheap to get your level one and level two. Uh, level three is a little more expensive, but uh, you know, it, it, with the certification comes prestige, and it's private, so you don't have to worry about the government. Yeah, and, and <laughs> in, in that, and that's the thing is like. You know, when I was listening to you, like, I think I might try to get the W set one at some point, but I think I would kind of put it with the idea that, look, I know my taste is not strong. I'm here to learn the other things. Cause like you were talking about the proper way to open a bottle of wine, a proper way to pour a bottle of wine. If the cork rips, you know, the, the tactics you can do to better, better handle the wine. I think that's a lot of what I'd like to learn because I know I know my sense of taste isn't strong enough at this point in my life. And I know I could drink a lot more wine, but what I'm trying to do, like weight loss flies and everything like that doesn't lead to that. But so now real quick, going to get some, mm-hmm. well, well let, say, let, before, go bef- yeah, before we switch it, let's go ahead and plug our, our last bottle link yeah. one more time. If you guys are interested in getting high quality wines at a discount, mm-hmm. you can go over to tastinganarchy.com. You can sign up, uh, to the basically the email list or whatever on Last Bottle Wines, and you'll get a ten dollar credit instantly. the The shipping is ten dollars if you buy below the the uh, minimum amount of bottles. So, like on a twelve dollar bottle of wine, you have to buy six in order to get free shipping. But if you only want to buy two, you know the first biodynamic wine I had, I got for twelve dollars on Last Bottle mm-hmm. Wine. Fantastic, t- fantastic Tuscan. Yeah. Uh, biodynamic, really interesting. I wanted to experience what a biodynamic wine was like. I don't regret buying that one, but it was 12 bucks, which was awesome. And I believe that that was either the first or second one that I bought. And I got that $10 discount from, uh, well, from Elizabeth from, uh, wine for normal people. And so I got free shipping on it. I didn't buy six bottles Mm -hmm. of it. I bought, I bought a couple of bottles and, and since then now I, I I bought an additional six of it because I liked it so much and it was only 12 bucks. Uh, and it came back up. So they they do kind of say that the the wines don't come back up. They do eventually if uh, everything else sells out, and if they don't sell out of yeah. it. So that that's kind of the exactly thing. yeah. Like, you know they have this. It kind of like there's a thrift store locally to me that says miss a day, miss a deal, and that's the thing with last bottle of wine is generally if you don't get the you don't purchase it, you're not going to see it again reliably so that's one of those things where like if you see one pull the trigger i mean you know this is this is one of those things where like you know if you got two nickels to rub together and that's it yeah you can you can get wine elsewhere but if you're trying to expand your palate and trying to learn more you know go there so tastinganarchy.com um do we have a direct link on the website like tastinganarchy.com slash lash bottle or anything like that well, you're supposed to be able to do tasting anarchy, or you're supposed to be able to do uh, lastbottlewines.com/tastinganarchy, but don't use that link because I don't know for sure that it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go go to the go to tastinganarchy.com in the center of the uh, the the bar on the bottom, which has got three three sections. Mm-hmm. The center the sec- center section says last bottle wines. Just click that; that'll take you to the link, and you'll be able to sign up. Now, one of the, one of the things that if you like the show, this actually does help us out. Because uh, we get a, a small kickback mm-hmm. from you signing up, and and that is uh, beneficial to us. Yeah. It's beneficial to me in particular because <laughs> I buy ridiculous amounts of stuff from Last yeah. Bottle of Wine. So, <laughs> but beyond that, you can always go to tastinganarchy.com and 
you know, see links to all the episodes that we have. You can also go to Childerberg.com, which is our annual event that we put on with the Friends Against Government podcast in Texas. Next year's event is going to be the 23rd through the 26th of May. Um, yeah, that's it's right. 23rd yeah, to 26th April, of May, May in yeah. Austin, Texas. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. March, April. No, no, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 23rd, 26th of- I, I had to count yeah. the months. <laughs> so the back end of May, uh, the easiest way to remember it is, if you know when the LNC is, that's when we're happening. So we're going to be in Austin. We're going to be about 20 minutes away from the LNC. So you can, you know, come out and see us. You could... Well, might come out and see you. Uh, we're hoping to get some good interviews, maybe have some good Texas wine. Maybe we can get, you know. Um, well, our- yeah. So actually, I, you know, we'll announce it here first is I do have in the works to have two Texas wineries at the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll bring some stuff. They'll be tasting. It'll, I think it'll cost yeah, money. I'm, I'm I mean, not that's, really sure. That's fair. But if they're going to, if they're going to come yeah. out, it's very, you know, it, it, it's not like. It's our winery or something like that. So, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, so they'll, I think what is going to happen is we'll have at least one and they'll come in, they'll do a little talk about wine and Texas wine in general and uh, give it, give a tasting. Uh, but t- tastings are generally pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. They're usually under $20. Yeah. And so you do, you do a tasting, you see what it's like. And if you are listening to our show because you're more interested in wine, um, that's a great reason to come out to Childerberg. There's a lot of great people yeah. there. I'm going to bring a lot of wine with me. Um, Mason, I mean, you'll be drinking my wine for sure. Yeah, so I think- you can, you can hang out with us and, and talk yeah. wine. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite topics right now. And Will be probably for many years to come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and, we'll just talk and, about it. You know, because the LNC is going to be happening, we are going to probably kidnap Mark Claire, though he doesn't know it yet, um, and <laughs> drive, drag him out for an hour or two just to, uh, yeah. Get him away and get his head calmed down from all the shenanigans he'll be up to, but also, you know, to pump him full of Texas wine. Uh, I may bring some Virginia wines. Oh, that, um, that would be and great. kind of, you know, be like, taste this, taste that, taste this. <laughs> so who knows? Um, yeah. So that's kind of that. So speaking of friends, Friends Against Government podcast, also known as the Fagcast, Bird and uh, our good friend Carl. Car. I knew it, but I'm yeah. just getting there. Um, <laughs> so there. Uh, so those of you who went to Childerberg, one uh, bird wasn't able to join us, but he is, I think, like 99% confirmed for Childerberg too. Um, I think. Oh we yeah. Also have Childerberg dose yeah, dose dose Vandania. Um, <laughs> yeah, dose Vandania. So. Um, I believe also coming up in the near future, we should be doing an episode with Bird um, on our show. Mm-hmm. Carl's already been on our show. You've been on their show multiple times. So yeah. that'll be fun. And then, um, you know. Oh, we uh, actually, it'll probably be the episode before this. Uh, well, maybe it's the episode after this. I don't know. But also check out uh, Anarcho Inc. podcast because mm-hmm. we were guests on that yes. podcast. Yeah. The- um, and, and we had him on our mm-hmm. podcast, which I, th- I think is going to be last week's yeah. episode. And, um, cause I haven't, I haven't edited it and put it up yet, but, uh, we're on his show and we talk about different things on his mm-hmm. show. So if you're interested in, in the Liberty aspects of Tasting Anarchy, go check that out. If you're, if you're interested just in Mason and me, that's a great show to go check yeah, out as well. Cause we're, uh, it's one of the few shows that we're on and it's a guest duo. Uh, cause normally yeah. we aren't. Yep, it's, uh, we both know. have been on Sounds Like Liberty. So if you want to hear music you know check out nikki p who also may be mm-hmm. at childerberg Zos, uh just depending on what all happens in life um so but you know we there's going to be so many people at childerberg dose the so many of the podcasters who you know and love they'll be there uh now the big thing is 
Childerberg Dose, just like Childerberg 1, is free for the attendees directly. Now, if you do a right. tasting or if there's like some sort of other thing, you know, maybe a uh, quesadilla bar again, those are at your cost. But we are putting on this event. We are trying to help make this event cost neutral to us. So at childerberg.com, you can see our latest edition t-shirts who feature some mm-hmm. Two of your wonderful hosts, and then two mystery hosts. No, it's just Bird and Carr. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you can uh, investigate Childerberg. We have kids' size, we have uh, ladies' sizes, and we have guys' sizes. Um, they're, and 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 baby sizes and baby too. sizes. The baby sizes have a special hidden color. Um, so yep. Uh, if you all follow us on Instagram and or Twitter, I believe you may have seen Foxy wearing a wonderful shirt. Um, <laughs> That's right. So, but yeah, you know, the the best way, the way we pay for these events is we sell t-shirts. Um, I'm sure we may sell other things in the future as well, but at the moment it's t-shirts. Um, so the goal at this point is we'll have Childerberg do- or one t-shirts. We'll have the Investigate mm-hmm. Childerberg t-shirts. And then we should have Childerberg Dose shirts. Yeah, there, but I think there was another shirt we may do in between. Yeah, so yeah. So there is... It's a four-day event. Well, and there's a possibility yeah. you could be wearing Childerberg shirts the entire time. Yeah. Now the the in the other in between shirt is going to also be extremely limited and part of a package deal. Mm. So so stay tuned for that. It's going to be um, in September. I'll announce it. It's going to be the the VIP package, and it's going to be for. Uh, it doesn't really come with any perks as far as I know yet at Childerberg, but it's the VIP package, meaning. The only the only way you can get these logoed items is by buying the VIP package, mm-hmm. and that's that's going to be the way that we're going to make sure that right now I don't I, honestly like I don't I don't I don't I, actually I don't know how to describe this I don't mind being in the hole a little bit because I love putting on Childerberg it's so much fun mm-hmm. but uh, it's the best for me if it's revenue neutral yes, exactly and uh, or or slightly revenue positive so that I can work on on the third yes. Childerberg which uh, to be announced exactly <laughs> so but. Uh, so tastinganarchy at gmail.com now if you are interested in sponsoring Childerberg in some way financial or bringing things to share sort of thing keep in mind the legality and all of that let us know by reaching out at tastinganarchy at gmail.com if you want to just donate and you don't want to buy a shirt or something like that, or, you know, hey, you don't like wearing shirts, uh, I'm perfectly fine if you're a nudist, and, but you still want to donate, you can reach out to us. We do have the ability to take cryptocurrency through CAR um, over at the Friends Against Government. Well, yeah. so, and and uh, I am, I'm like, very, very close to being able to get a crypto donation on Childerberg.com. So, so you'll be able to do that as well. Um, it'll be Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I can get – I'm working on figuring out how to work on the wallet that can take multiple cryptos. Mm-hmm. So uh, – but I'll we'll announce that later. So yeah. just take a look. If you, if you want to donate crypto, take a look at Childerberg.com first and then go over if, – if you don't see it, go talk to, to me on – at Childerberg on Twitter mm-hmm. and I'll put you into contact with Carr. He'll yeah. help he'll Or, help you know, out. if you know Rolo, I'm sure he'll figure out how to yeah. do those too. So – Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. Now uh, – so that's our plugs and everything like that. So I believe we have two articles. Now, I think Jacob's article is going to take the bulk of the remainder of the show. So I'm just going to do a quick recap of the article that I found uh, today, sure. actually. Um, so those of us who have dogs, which is both Jacob and I, we really care about our dogs. Um, so there's a thing where the FDA 
is... Hey, Mason, hang on just a second. I'll be right back. Hang on. Sorry, there was some noise. So, um, the FDA is apparently trying to get in on the dog food game, and apparently they are issuing some sort of advisory based on, like, a... I don't know who's reporting stuff to the FDA, but apparently, like, there's a thing called DCM, which is the idea that, like, a dog has basically, like, high blood pressure. (laughs) I mean, like, or, you know, it's like heart issues. Um, But it's not, like, heart issues like, this gave my dog, like, a heart attack. Like, you know, some, like it's like immediate poison. So basically, like, this thing is incredibly difficult to detect in dogs. So the people who are detecting it in dogs are people who are much more wealthy. So the kind of the concept is the FDA is making, like, a big splash over something that very few people have the ability and very few people actually fall out. So, like, it's kind of this idea against grain-free diets, which is generally the more expensive dog food. Um, so this the article is on fee. Org, so the Foundation for Economic Education. The article is by Ross Marchand, I think is how we pronounce his last name. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So basically it's like how the government is overreaching into our lives yet again, trying to tell you about what you should feed your dog. Now, the FDA has already had a horrendous track record on telling humans what to eat by, you know, basically trying to push the Mediterranean diet and these like weird diets that like don't correspond to anything. And then... Well, yeah, I mean, even before yeah. that, the, the food pyramid. Yeah, like... Yeah. You know, just basically, the, they don't know what's going on with humans, and then they're trying to push these unfounded studies. Now, the whole reason I really wanted to talk about this article personally is the author does throw the FDA several bones in there, saying, like, oh, if there's, like, some sort of, you know, outbreak of salmonella or, like, basically, like, something proves toxic, it's best to have the FDA deal with it because they can act right away and act unilaterally, which... I have noticed that on fee that happens relatively frequently that they'll get somebody who's quite moderate, mm-hmm. um, especially from our standpoint. Yeah. And uh, actually, do you actually we talked about it on the show a long time ago? There was an anti-gun article that was on there briefly, mm-hmm. very briefly, and I was like, I, you yeah. know, for lack of, I, I, I'll rephrase it. What the heck? I and then I sent it to you immediately, and then you weren't able to open the article, and it was because they had taken yeah. it down. And that, and that's uh, kind of, so I'm not sure how that I'm not sure how they curate their article writers. And that's one of the things is like you know they do offer they do post Bob Murphy stuff quite often. So mm-hmm. you know they they and I think I think Jeffrey Tucker writes a lot. Yeah, for them. Jeffrey and, Tucker used to be very big in their yeah. stable. And you know here's the thing, I don't I understand somebody who's not an anarchist position on saying that having somebody who could act unilaterally may be useful in a situation when like if somebody was passing out stuff that was like tainted with uranium yeah we know uranium's poisonous we know that you probably shouldn't be eating uranium but that takes away people's agency you know all the stuff that goes into that so it was one of those things where it's like i thought it was such a beautifully written article about like kind of them saying like you know there's very little information that they're actually acting on there's no empirical studies it's not like they're acting on you know, 50 years of well-documented research. And there's a dog magazine called Dogster. And apparently Dogster is like, like kind of spot on with the food. So, you know, like, um, 
the uh, Mary Root book that you got me where she's taking on the FDA and there's like a, I forget the name of the magazine that basically has predicted all of the recalls the FDA has done. Yeah, through uh, I don't recall what it is yeah. either, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Through, the, she she mentions it in the and book through basic evidence, and you know, so I saw something about where like these researchers had trained um, an AI, like a machine learning thing, to read over material science papers, and they didn't teach the AI the definition of like any words or like any material science specific terms and things like that. I, I couldn't; it was hard. You know, it's not that well written, but it was all right. Um, but basically. They ran this thing, and what they were doing is looking at scientific papers and like basically predicting new stuff out of them and kind of going over correlations and things that were missed. And they were able to successfully predict new materials that eventually did get produced. So it's not like the FDA is doing that, where they're taking all of these papers and just going, look, we've taken you know 30,000 papers, and we think this is the best diet for humans based on this copious amount of research that we've run through like a statistical algorithm they're just going yeah we got 500 reports of dogs with problems so we got to act or we got to release some guidelines and again go against like dogs being on a grain diet uh dogs are carnivorous like they should be eating meat like it's that's what they are and if they die early because of it that's their natural diet yes they do occasionally you know they're not omnivores, but they, they're not 100% carn, you know, they're not hyper carnivores. They, they will in the wild eat sticks and things like that and dirt and mud and, and other things to get like proteins and not proteins, but like other nutrients they need. So that's my rant about the FDA. Now, what is Texas doing? Okay. So if, if everybody recalls this, this is for you longtime listeners. We discussed, uh, Texas house bill, Four two three three, and this is the the quote unquote one hundred percent Texas unquote uh, labeling bill. Uh, and I'll go ahead and give a quick recap on this, Mason, to refresh mm-hmm. you and to refresh the listeners. So, the bill requires that any wine uh, with the quote Texas unquote on the label use one hundred percent Texas grapes. Now, this is a, a statewide initiative. So for Texas wine, it currently, uh, from the uh, TABC, the Texas ABC, um, it requires 75%. Now, that's kind of in conflict with um, what you may recall the, uh, what is it, the I, ITCB or I, ICB, what the, the internet, the, the federal uh, yeah, version yeah. of, uh, um, I can't remember what they're called. It's like the T, oh man, it, it's some weird body out of the the treasury yeah. or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, so it's like a, it's a tax organization basically. Yeah. And so they actually require they're also in charge of the uh AVAs, the American Viticulture Areas, and they require that uh, American Viticulture Areas if you label it, it's 85% of the grapes in that must be from that viticulture area. Uh so and then the remaining 15% can come from wherever. Mm-hmm. It does. It doesn't matter. You know, if in Texas, it could. If you're if you're Texas High Plains, you could get 15 percent from California. It's irrelevant. Uh, but as long as 85 percent is in Texas High Plains, you can be Texas High Plains AVA. Uh, and now the Texas appellation on your label requires that at least 75 percent come from Texas. So if you wanted to bill your wine as a Texas wine, you could do 75 percent from 
hill country mixed with high plains mixed with uh, Davis Mountain, etc. And grapes in Texas. Yeah, where yeah wherever you can get grapes in Texas, seventy five percent come from there. You can label it Texas twenty five percent come from somewhere else, uh, and it doesn't matter where. Um, so the bill would require that Texas the Texas appellation. Uh, that if anybody wishes to use Texas on the label would require that they source 15% of the grapes, not from their own Appalachian, but from some other Texas region. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, the bill, so it yeah. It would require that I couldn't do 100% hill country? You could do 100% hill country if you okay, wanted. can you restate then for me yeah, okay. what you were saying there just a second ago? Right, okay. So so previously, you could do, you could call your wine a Texas mm-hmm. wine as long as 75% of the grapes, grapes were from within Texas. Okay. The new rule that this bill would institute would be that you need 100% of your grapes from Texas. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter where in Texas, just somewhere in Texas. Also, it would have to be made in Texas. Okay, so I couldn't, like grow it in hill country drive it to oklahoma go up and see some of our friends at uh oh my goodness the brewery up there peace peaceful oh oh uh uh rough tail i couldn't go up to rough tail because they have like you know just say he had winemaking equipment and make it there and then come back and say it's texas no you could not do that federally you could because as long as it's in a joint an adjoining state you can do that Mm -hmm. okay so but on from the state level they would say no you can't you can't call it texas now is that part uh, of the new law that they're talking about? That's part of the yeah. new law. That's part of part of uh, House Bill four two three three. Now the update on House Bill four two three three is that it failed to make it out of committee. Yeah. Yeah. So it the bill failed mm. to make it uh, even to a vote. Uh, the te- Texas legislature only meets every two years, so it'll be twenty twenty one till it can come back it's up. Like again. the Virginia legislature. House of Burgess. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it takes it, – it, it doesn't meet regularly – or it does meet regularly, but it's it's over long periods of time. Um, and uh, so this was the second attempt to regulate Texas wines uh, on the state level or, or more regulate them. There are – already they are regulated, mm-hmm. but to regulate them more, uh, this was the second attempt. So don't really expect this to go away. It will probably come back up in the 2021 legislature. Yeah. Now, at the hearing, this was one of the most interesting parts of this, is at the hearing, they had wineries and testimonials from people who are interested parties on both sides of the issue, almost a 50-50 split. Mm -hmm. And this is a voluntary uh, coming to do testimonials. And so there was wineries on the pro, and there was wineries on the con. There were growers on the pro. There was growers on the con. There were consumers on the pro and consumers on the con. So this is a very divided issue in Texas. Mm-hmm. And and I would say that this was, you know, fairly wise of the or or cowardly, one of the two, of the uh Texas legislature to punt this issue to twenty twenty one. so they're they, not they going to talk about it now. It. They failed to make it out of committee, which theoretically if it's not reintroduced in committee, it's dead. Mm-hmm. Well, this happened. This happened previously as well in in uh, 2017. Uh, the same thing happened. A lot of people showed up on both sides, and the committee was like, "Eh, we don't want to deal with this." And so they just kind of were like, "Well, reintroduce it later." Yeah. So, but and that's what so, I'm saying is, if the yeah. if the people who introduced the bill, if they don't, yes, if they're not in the Texas legislature legislation, but you know, I don't know if they're reelected in the meantime. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's an election for them in the meantime, but like if. Yeah, if I'm not, not sure either. I, I should look into that. It's technically dead at this point. Now, yeah. by all practical standpoints, so this is, it's going to be reintroduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Now, 
Yeah, now this is something that I think is very interesting because as I'm becoming more and more involved in the wine world and Texas wine in particular, this might be something I'll show up to in 2021 I, if I'm still in Texas. I was thinking you probably would show up to this. Yeah, and and the reason being is there's something else I need to I would like to show up to and address in the 2021 legislature and that is this uh this um uh Supreme Court ruling for interstate shipping is I think that like Texas should should really get on board with that and open up interstate shipping mm-hmm. and they need people there to tell them that like look if you want other states to accept Texas wine you need to start uh, accepting other wine and yeah. you need to get Texas wine out of this state because otherwise there's only there's only so much of a market in Texas for wine anyways but that that's not part of the article so there's two reasons I may actually end up showing up to the 2021 if I'm still active in Texas which I I think by 2021, I probably still will. I probably will still be in the United States, and uh, and I'll I'll probably be still in Texas by that time. But you know, who knows? I, I we you and I, Mason, we could become millionaires from something yes. and and end up living in you know Paraguay yeah. or somewhere like that. Yeah, Chile maybe. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so now one of the Texas wineries that we followed previously, mm-hmm. and I haven't actually tried any of their wine yet. I I need to get down there, but because it's only like a four-hour drive uh, to get down there. So I might I might ride the motorcycle Cla- down there at some point. And, statement. Only four hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I might ride the motorcycle down there and like just check out a couple of wineries and, and go visit. But Sibony Cellars mm-hmm. uh, ha- suggested a, a compromise that I mostly agree okay. with. And I think that their compromise makes so much sense. And this is one of the reasons why I talked about both of the wines above. So I'll go ahead and summarize kind of their compromise so uh they they say that uh and and, um, and other wineries as well but Sibony I think if you go to their website uh Sibony Cellars just you can google it I think it's just sibonycellars.com I can I can look it up but uh actually I'll put a link in the show notes page um they say that starting at the state level makes no sense especially when it's Texas and the reason is the state of Texas is larger than France mm-hmm even the AVA of the Texas High Plains is larger than the 13 smallest European countries. <laughs> and uh, not not combined, but each individual country is larger than those. Texas Hill Country, which is larger than Texas High Plains. I didn't realize this. For some reason, I thought High Plains was bigger. Mm-hmm. Texas Texas Hill, Hill Country is larger by 20 uh, or by 2,000 square kilometers. Even that is, it's even larger. So, these are places that are bigger than countries that have multiple viticulture areas in Europe. And for some reason, they want to introduce legislation to treat them all as one viticulture area. So as an alternative, Sibony Sellers suggests that we start at the AVA level and the sub-AVA level, particularly the sub-AVA level, because we're getting to the point where Texas wine is developed enough that Hill Country and High Plains and Mount Davis or Davis Mountain and Texoma and all of these viticulture areas are growing large enough that their subregions are defining, particularly in High Plains and uh, Hill Country, is that the subregions are different and they're they're producing different things. And this is the reason why I chose the two wines above. So I had two wines above, one from Napa, one from Napa Valley that was specifically Oakville. Mm-hmm. And they are very different. Now, they're both clearly California Cabernet Sauvignons, mm-hmm. but but they are very, very different wines. And the Oakville 
really conveys a lot of information to me as a slightly more experienced wine consumer, but not more experienced than most of our listeners, I don't think. Like, I get a lot of messages on Twitter from our listeners, and they correct me a lot of the times, and or they'll or they'll be talking about the things that they're trying. So, people who like wine are very sophisticated, even if they're not super experienced. I mean, this is it, it's something that's very interesting, and it does attract the same type of people that libertarian attracts, where it's kind of these autistic consumers, <laughs> where yeah, where they're like very very obsessed with their product mm-hmm. and and their ideas and and the things that go into it, and they're willing to do a lot of research and a lot of reading. And wine really lends itself to that. Now, wine is also good for people who just want to get drunk because there's a lot of cheap wine yeah. available. And and the cheap wine oftentimes is very good. Uh, but for but it's such a diverse array of beverage that it attracts a lot of people who really want to specialize in their type of thing. And so when it comes to the American viticulture areas and just the Appalachians in general – is you end up getting these very, very, very specialized interests that are that are very important to the consumer. Texas doesn't really mean anything to most consumers. Hill Country is incredibly different than Texas High Plains, mm-hmm. and 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 you know you and you Mason and I know. Um, I went and, went and did some planning with somebody who's putting a vineyard in in uh, the Mount Davis region. That region is going to produce something completely different. I think that there's only one producer there right now, and. Uh, I don't think they're doing that much different, but I think that Ricky from Altamarfa mm-hmm. is going to be producing premier, amazing Cabernet Sauvignon, um, probably some Cabernet Franc. He also has some other things. He, I think he planted some Mavedre, mm-hmm. which is a very delicate grape and um, could but could produce a very nice, dark, dark, very highly tannic, very robust wine and the diurnals in the in the Mount Davis region are really interesting. So the for the listeners who don't know what a diurnal is, the the days are are often very hot and the nights are very cool. And this is very, very good for grape expression of terroir. Mm-hmm. Um so we've got these different regions in Texas that are expressing different things that the terroir is starting to come into play very strongly because the region is developing. And we also have certain AVAs that cross borders so texoma crosses a little bit into oklahoma and um there's a i can't remember the name of the valley offhand but it crosses over into new mexico so we we have regions that actually have more affinity to other states than they do to texas so why would you regulate on this basis and and that's what sibony is saying is that you know what if we want to talk about uh, the 100% Texas label. Let's start at the AVA level. Let's let the independent bodies uh, that regulate the AVA, so that they're granted this this regulatory agency from a federal agency, which I, I get is is not what you Mason and I are in favor of. We would much prefer people to take a different tactic, a voluntary tactic, and uh, well, from my perspective, a trademark tactic. From yours, maybe something a little bit different. But um, from the AVA and the sub AVA region, we could go ahead and start requiring people that use our 100 percent uh let's say 100 percent texas high plains region we could say that from our ava or our sub ava that we require 100 percent texas grapes so you, you need 85 percent from our our region or our sub region and then the 15 percent additional can be from somewhere else and that's fine uh and we're going to go ahead and talk about that as texas but kind of to the point uh and they did a lot of research this on the Sibony Sibony sellers article uh, and I, and I'm going to go ahead and reiterate a lot of it because I think it's important to, to think about it, how important the AVA is mm-hmm. or the Appalachian in the, in Europe is compared to the state or country. 
And and everybody keep in mind that in the United States, our states are larger than most European countries, and that's kind of the point of the United States is that it's the United States. It's supposed to be countries united in a federation yeah, so of states. Let me, let me talk <laughs> on that real quick. So um, Yeah, go for it. You were talking about like uh, High Plains – it being like larger than or no hill country being like larger than 13 percent or 13 of the smallest european countries there are 51 countries in europe that's 25 percent of europe is smaller than the ava in texas right right there's something that goes more here like the left and right bank of bordeaux that's literally the same ava yeah and they're completely different from that description now how much of that is enforced by being left bank compared to right bank and like, you know, specifically doing something because that's what's expected of left and right bank. You know, there's a lot there, but that's mm-hmm. the thing. So like, this is one of those things where I think this is a perfect market opportunity for you to get you specifically, Jacob, to get involved yeah. in this and do an end round around the Texas legislator is yeah. to come up with a labeling scheme or not scheme because scheme is you know, negative condemnation. Yeah. But basically, so this is the perfect opportunity for the market to ex- show how good the market is. You mm-hmm. can create a series of labels that are 100% Texas wine, but then yeah. you could also produce the, so you have the 100% Texas sticker, but then you could have the AVA sticker where it's certifying that at least 85% of the grapes that are pre- presented in this bottle are from this specific AVA. So you could present and, you know, like, let's say that, you know, minus the cost of the sticker, the certification is $1,000 for each vintage, let's say, you know, something that is not going to be so cost prohibitive that people wouldn't pursue this. Yeah. Well, something, you know, there's actually, there's a lot of really good examples of this is, is like the Meritage, uh, it's a dollar, it's a dollar a case up to a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and then and then beyond that, you can put it on as many cases as you want. Yeah, something like that. So, like literally, you could go into the Texas leg- legislature and be like, "You guys pointed out what you thought was a market failure. I and the market have provided a solution." That's right. Completely, completely well, and that involved. and that's what's yeah. And actually, I'm getting to that that very similar point is that there already is a market solution to the hundred percent Texas problem, and that is. The 100% Texas certified label, mm-hmm. which is again, it's a dollar a case up to I think 200 or 300 dollars. It's very inexpensive. Yeah, and and it's just a, it's just a it's a private independent certification, and so the pro, there's not a problem there. This is something that they want to enforce by law, and there are special interests involved in that. And I'll get into why there are special interests, but. Let me go ahead and, and just kind of like put this a little bit into perspective for you and for the listeners. Um, so the the argument by Simony Sellers is reinforced by uh, data that they put together using Seller Tracker. Now SellerTracker.com is a pretty cool site. It's it use it basically compiles a lot of information through kind of like crowdsourcing. So it's people basically log stuff in. It's not a hundred percent foolproof, but it but it's a pretty good uh, source of information. Mm-hmm. Um, so the statistics looked at uh, how many wineries at the sub twenty dollars and the over twenty dollars levels use a state or country designation. They chose four different, uh, pretty well known states. Well, two well known states and two well known 
well, three well-known seats, I guess. Well, I, I'm explaining this bad. So <laughs> they, they let, let me let me just go ahead and go through it. So they did Pinot Noir specifically from Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oregon is very very well known for Pinot Noir. They took a look at all of the um, wines, Pinot Noirs from Oregon that were on SellerTracker.com. 3.2% carry the state appellation on the label only. 96.8%, which is the remainder, uh, designate an AVA, a vineyard, or a state, and not necessarily the state. The, the state. Mm-hmm. So they designate a AVA, a vineyard, or an estate. It's very, very specific. At over $20 a bottle, that's that's under $20 a bottle. At over $20 a bottle, only 2% designate Oregon as their place of origin. Mm-hmm. Let's look at something a little more prestigious, what I'm drinking tonight. California Cabernet Sauvignon. 1.6% carry California as the appellation or the, the place of origin. 98.4% designate an AVA, a vineyard, or an estate. At over $20 a bottle, that drops to 0.3%. So it's basically nobody. Wines from France. 0.3% carry France on their label. 99.7% designate an AVA, a vineyard, or an estate. Hmm. At over $20 a bottle, 0.1% carry France on the label. In Texas, it is more. And this is a new wine region. And I bet you if we did a comparison with other newer wine regions, you'd probably see something very similar. But this is something that we need to develop into. So in Texas, 33% of wines that are on SellerTracker.com carry Texas on the label. Now, this may be a cultural phenomenon because Texas is very into being from Texas. Texas is about Uh, being Texas. Yeah, and so that's very, very possible. Uh, But 67% carry a AVA, a vineyard, or an estate on the label instead. Uh, at over $20 a bottle, the 33% drops 25%. So I think as Texas develops as a state that produces wine, you're going to see more specialization into the American viticulture areas or into the estates or into um, the regions so or the vineyard itself. So, you know, there's a lot of wine producers who actually are not growing their own, so they'll, they'll indicate the vineyard because it's a famous vineyard. Um, but in this case... Uh, that's that's kind of what we're talking about is that is that on a state level, particularly in a case like Texas, where the state is bigger than the country of France, mm-hmm. saying it's Texas means nothing. Exactly. Um, so after doing some additional research, um, the Sibidini Sellers team learned uh, that Texas, um, the sub $20 and many of them under $15 wine are mostly directed towards uh, stores like HEB, or Hebe in my the uh, Hebe <laughs> in my word Total Wine um, or Specs um, Specs is a pretty pretty popular distributor of wine here in Texas um, and so they're they're actually directing their wine so and somebody makes this point and I think it's a very good point and they say that imposing a a statewide one hundred percent Texas regulation would force producers focused on providing these sub twenty dollar wines to figure out other ways to cut costs. And or they would have to raise their price to above twenty dollars, and and that's not their market. They've already they've already figured out a market that's sub twenty dollars. Um, so they can lower they could lower costs by uh, filling the remaining fifteen percent with uh, out of state bulk wine, which is what they do right now. Or they could change the blend. Um, and there's a lot of other things too. So the law would also increase demand on the lower quality Texas grapes, uh, which are currently used in in the, in the nicer wines um, as filler. Mm-hmm. 
And and this would so now you you get these these lower ones like um, I, I don't want to say that they're bad wines because they actually do make good wine. So like uh, Iano Estacado and um, uh, who who is it? Um, McPherson actually I think is very good, but they do make a lot of wine and it's very inexpensive. Uh, I, I actually, but I think their wine is good, so I, I don't know if they really fit this bill. But you've got like uh, Messina Hoff, which produces a lot of sub fifteen dollar wines, mm-hmm. and they're not they're not bad wines. I've actually done a lot of reviews on them, and they're good. They're they're decent wines. They're just cheaper yeah. wines, and, and and they may be. I, I don't know for sure what they're doing, but they may be making up that additional fifteen percent, or if they're designated as a Texas wine, the remaining twenty five percent to cut costs with, by using bulk grapes from maybe the Central Valley in California. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's a good way to stay in that price point and still be a Texas wine. I mean, the majority of the wine is going is Texas grapes, and that's where you're going to get the majority of the flavors. Now, you may be able to fill out some of the uh, aspects that are lacking from from other states, but but it's still it's still a Texas wine, and it's still produced in Texas, which I think is is also kind of important to the case, but. Uh, you're going to very much disrupt this very small in, or it's not a small industry. That's yeah. that's the bulk of Texas wines. Is, is these sub twenty dollar wines that are sold in uh, even Kroger? I mean Kroger, HEB, Total Wine, Specs. These are these are all the sub twenty dollar wines that are available. If you go into your Kroger and take a look at what Texas. If you're in Texas, go into your Kroger and take a look at what wines are available to you from Texas. If you're in if you go into your Kroger or whatever other grocery store that you have and you're in a different state, go and see what's local to your state. Virginia has the same thing mm-hmm. where if you go into Kroger and you go to the Virginia section, not all of them have it, but some of the – some of the actually, it was oh, marketplace. It, it was not Kroger. Uh, yeah, the marketplace has a has a Virginia section and the you know rest in peace, Farm Fresh used to have a Virginia section. It, it's mostly under $20 wines and so they're, they're, they're trying to fill this niche market, which is people who are interested in drinking things from their state. For you and me, that's kind of arbitrary, but uh, because you know we are a little bit, we we are kind of we like our states and we're interested in our states, but for the most part, they're just kind of lines on well, a map. Excuse it's not, me, Jacob. We're a commonwealth. Yeah, that, exactly. There <laughs> no. you go. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Is like to to me, it is a it is a line on a map. So this so this is the one thing I'm going to push back on. Sure. And this is where I think a lot of the people who are pushing this don't understand the availability of the free market and they basically see an opportunity to use the government as their long arm. Whereas you and I, you know, readily admit, hey, we don't want this to be enforced, but we do want to know where we're drinking from. We used to be predominantly single varietal drinkers. We used to specifically look for wines from a specific area. You know, maybe it's a country, maybe it's a specific state, you know, those sort of things. Like we would specifically drink cab from California because that's what we knew. Whereas, you know, like to find out that, you know, hey, I'm buying this product that's labeled Texas and it's not 100% Texas. I understand like somebody kind of going like, well, now I feel like I got ripped off. But also it's, it's one of those things where like, I think the, the, Personally, I think they should label everything on the label. Like, but I would mm-hmm. do that if it was my winery. I would say, you know, oh, this is 100% cab. No, it's only 100% cab if it's actually 100% cab. Like, I would literally just tell everybody where everything came from to the best that I could because I find right. that information very useful. And as a wine drinker, I don't think that personally is going to put me off on drinking it unless they said found on the side of the road. 
And even right, then I probably right. would drink it. So, you know, it's like the, yeah. uh, the other guy, um, that you helped out who lost most of his, uh, one of his harvests to, um, uh, hail. Oh yeah. Ricky or no, no, uh, Rowdy. Yeah, Rowdy. Like I'm super interested in getting a bottle from his field blend because yeah. I want to help Ricky out. But also, you know, if Ricky could make enough to like say Ricky had just enough to make yeah, Rowdy, Rowdy, excuse Rowdy. Me. Rowdy had, well, and I and I I haven't gone there. I'm going yeah. out next month probably to help him harvest. Yeah, so like let's say Rowdy had like enough to produce a hundred cases cab, but he needed like it would have been you know eighty five if he didn't blend or something like that. But yeah. you know he's it's enough where the profile is still him. Now he can't label it that way. So like it, it's one of those things where it's like people are using the long arm of the government to negatively or air quotes positively impact themselves or others based on their choices and that's the big thing about the government is like when you use these regulations it basically takes somebody else's ability to do something and try something away from them that doesn't involve you right like if you as a customer are mad about this then demand that you you know go to the winery call the winery ask them what's in it the vast majority of the time i bet if you were you know, got a hold of most of the wine producers. Now, like if you're, you know, reach out to Robert Rungavi or like some of these French wineries, you know, like obviously within reason, like most of them will yeah. be upfront about it. It's like, oh yeah, like that's a, this, this, and this blend, but this is why we did it. You know, they would they right. give you that information. They, they well, want yeah. to tell you about their product. They're not out there to be jerks. Well, yeah, true. And, and you know, a lot of the winemakers, like for, you know, for lack of a better way of describing them, they're artists. Mm-hmm. They are trying, particularly with small producers, which is which is what a lot of is going to be impacted uh, if this law ever does pass, is they are trying to produce a certain type of product for a specific audience. Mm-hmm. Now, Texas does play into that. This is, a, this is a, this, I think Texas more than any other state, I, I may be getting the statistic wrong, but I think it's Texas more than any other state buys Texas brand stuff or Texas made stuff more than any other state. So like not, not, I don't mean that like other states don't buy Texas. I mean that other states don't buy their own stuff as much as Texas buys their own stuff. Does that make sense? Tech, the label Texas is a high return on value in Texas because Texans will buy it because it's labeled Texas. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah. So I I do understand why that is a big selling point, but that is not what a lot, that's not really, for some producers in Texas it is. And and this is going to actually be, maybe it may be advantageous to, well, no, it'll be a disadvantage, but a lot of the larger producers that are producing quote unquote Texas wines, they already label their wines Texas and that's the market they're filling. By putting an additional demand on the more specialty producers like Sibony Cellars, like Torna Locks, which is 100% mm-hmm. Texas wines, like uh, uh, what is it, Parisos, which we visited yeah. at Childerberg, which is a lot of their stuff is 85% estate grown. Um, or, you know, or actually, I think they have a couple of 100% estate grown. So they're even more local and they're more expressing the terroir of their of their region and the growers and also the winemaking process. You've got, um, you know, up in, up in Texas high plains, you had uh, Trinity, which doesn't exist anymore. 
uh, because they got bought out by uh, Bunker Hill or something like that. I can't remember who, mm-hmm. but uh, the the brand that Rowdy used to contribute his grapes to, those were 100% Texas High Plains grapes, but more specifically, they were Texas High Plains grapes from that specific county. Yeah. And it won gold medal in its class at the San Francisco Chronicle Awards for their Malbec. It was a outstanding wine. I have two bottles left. It's it's a really very very good wine. Uh, I'm saving them, so maybe when you come out, I'll have one left still. Mm-hmm. And uh, and their Merlot is. I think it won some awards at Texom as well, which is you know uh, international uh, sommelier conference here in Texas. And uh, they won some awards at Texom in their blind tastings as well. So. These these regions do produce really good wines, but they're they're producing good wines at their sub AVA, mm-hmm. and they don't need now. I don't know for sure. I could probably ask Rowdy, and he might be able to figure it out. I don't think he knows because he's specifically a grower. He's not a winemaker, but I, I'm pretty sure that the that both of these wines that I got from Trinity Cellars, which are a combination of Rowdy's grapes and and other people's grapes, I'm pretty sure they're 100 grapes from those regions. That they're not mixed with California, they're not mixed with these other things, and you know they're not. They're also not labeling their their wine one hundred percent Texas. It's Texas High Plains. It says it on the label. Yeah. All of all of these bottles of Tornalox, the one that I gave you that was the twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. and these these two Italian blends that I have here, all of those are labeled Texas High Plains. They're not labeled Texas. Yeah, they they go above and beyond. Yeah, because that's what they're sourcing and that's what they're trying to convey. They have some estate-grown ones that are not available to plebes like you and me, only club members. <laughs> <laughs> but but they have some estate-grown ones that say 100% Texas Hill Country, and they're grown on estate. And so the thing is, is the winemakers will already take care of this stuff. It's it's they, they are proud of their terroir. They're proud of their winemaking techniques, and they don't need, the you know the, to use your words, the, the long arm of the government to come in and force them to use 100% Texas grapes. They will figure it out. And... Sibony Cellars, they use 100% Texas grapes. Some of it's estate grown. Um, I think they're in Shadow Hawk or something like that is, their, is the estate that they're on. And they, they use 100% Texas grapes in all of their wines. Their wines are creme de la creme and very high quality. They're a little bit expensive, but you're paying for that. You're, you're not paying more than you're paying for a Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, which is this gigantic region in California yeah, and it, that does produce good wines, but it, it's you're you're in Texas. You're going to be getting very specialized producers. You can get the bulk wine from Messina Hoff, which does produce specialized wine as well, which is very good, or uh, Lano Estacado, which also produces specialized wine. But their bulk wine is is generally okay and and fine, and you can get that. And that that is Texas. It's labeled Texas. But when you when you're trying to impose these regulations on these. The, in, on the small producers, the artists that are trying to convey something to you, uh, Coleman Sellers, that's the other one. Coleman Sellers, you know, theirs is a state grown and they also source some from Texas High Plains, but oh my gosh, they've got good good wines. And by imposing these regulations, you're forcing Iano Essicado and uh, Messina Hoff and um, uh, not Berkeley Vineyards, um, I can't remember the name, start with a B. But these very large producers, you're you're forcing them to source that additional 25% or 15% from Texas. It's going to raise the cost for everybody else, and it's going to make it much, much more difficult for everybody else. And that's something that people don't take into consideration when they when 
a lot of times when they support legislation is they don't realize the ripple effects. And one of the ripple effects is very, very apparent to me is that you're going to make it more expensive for the higher end producers to produce grapes. It's going to make their wine more expensive and that's going to cut sales and it's going to make it more difficult for Texas to make an impact on the international or even just the national yeah, scene. The wine. Yeah. To, to hit the wine market. Like that's, that's the thing is like, this is a, a problem that no one else is reporting. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's, uh, well, you know what? It's great that it's great that Sibony sellers is out there talking about it mm-hmm. and saying, Hey, this is going to, this is going to end up being a problem. We can solve this by voluntary compliance at the AVA level. And, uh, well, I mean, voluntary as far as the AVAs are designated by the federal government, but the regulatory bodies, I believe are made up of the wine growers associations in the AVA. Mm-hmm. So, so to some degree, it is voluntary. So they would have to, they would have to, on a local level, vote on whether or not they designate this. And you know, you and I don't really agree necessarily with democracy, but uh, <laughs> exactly. and this is this is this is this is enforced on the federal level. But I would much rather it be handled locally than in a state that is larger than France. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's really I think all I have to say about the article. It's I think it's a good update, and I think it's something for people to keep in mind. This is not something that is unique to Texas. If your state produces wine, and there's a lot of states that are up and coming wine producers, you know, New York State in the Finger Lakes region, they they produce a lot of fantastic wines. Um, even Michigan is producing really good ice wines mm-hmm. and some really interesting stuff. Uh, we spoke to um, uh, Pepper from uh, Indiana, yeah. and they. They produce very interesting wines. They're using American uh, grape varietals, which are not typically used in in wine. Uh, but you know what? If if they started picking up something, you, you might start getting some interest in trying to get state regulation on this. And it, it is not good for your wine industry. This is going to stifle innovation. It's going to solidify large producers because they have the money to uh, absorb the regulate regulatory costs. Whereas small producers, like the ones that I like, and I, and I don't know their position on this, but um, I'm going to say that I, I believe that this would adversely affect wine producers like Coleman Cellars, which I think is producing some of the best wine in mm-hmm. Texas. Um, Sibony Cellars, which I haven't tried yet, but I, I like I like their style and I like what they're talking about on their blog. So I, I'm going to try to get down there and try that stuff. Uh, Parisos produces really great wine, and it, and I think that would probably raise costs for them because right now they're trying to they they have an advantage over some of these lower producers in that they they do buy. Uh, Texas wine or Texas wine grapes from High Plains to fill out some of some of their wines. Most of it's estate grown, but they do buy it to fill out some of their wines. Um, and by forcing Yano Estacado and uh, Messina Hoff and these others to purchase those grapes, you're going to raise the cost for these these growers, and it's going to make their wine different for one. And it's also going to make it more expensive for the other. So just keep that in mind yeah, when you're gonna, ta- when you think about how much government is in your drink. Just think about how these regulations impact what you're drinking. It, it does add a cost. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, anyways, that's all I have to say. You got anything to add, no. Mason? Um, no, I don't. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and recap our wines real quick, and then we'll go ahead and uh, call it a night. Yeah. So I had the. Quinta do Vidalo, uh, Tariga Nacional, 2015. Um, very solid bottle of wine. Um, I know I'm leaving a lot on the table just because of just because how I taste and everything like that. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely worth looking into. Is what I will mm-hmm. say. Yeah. 
Okay, so I reviewed two Cabernet Sauvignons from Napa Valley, both of them under $40. Uh, the Emerson Brown Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon 2015, very good wine. Uh, I would recommend picking it up if you can find it for under $40 a bottle. Uh, I do not regret it at all. It's 14% alcohol by volume. Uh, if you like very fruity Cabernet Sauvignons from California, Napa Valley in particular, this is a great wine for you to chick to, to choose. If you go ahead and use our link and sign up at Last Bottle Wines, it's not a wine club, so there's no obligation to buy or anything like mm-hmm. that. You can you can you can get this this Sleeper Cabernet Sauvignon next time it comes around. So the one that I'm drinking tonight is uh, Sleeper Oakville Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon from 2013. Uh, I think they're actually out of this because they announced that they were out of it, but they do still have 2014 available, and it'll probably come back up very soon. Um, it's 14.9% uh, alcohol by volume. Superb wine. So if you can, if we'll see what the I don't know what 2014 year was like, uh, but the 20 if it's anything like the 2013, it it's definitely worth it at probably any price under seventy dollars a bottle. If that's if that's your price point, if it's not your price point, uh, go ahead and sign up at Last Bottle Wines anyways because they do have stuff as low as uh, twelve dollars. They even have rosés sometimes at ten dollars mm-hmm. or seven dollars. Uh, I've seen a couple of those. And if you like rosés, that's a that's a great buy. And you can use the ten dollars credit you get by signing up at tastinganarchy.com to get free shipping if if you want only want to order one or two bottles. So check that out. Uh, anything else, Mason? All right, everybody, stay free. Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drink it wine, for the you to drink wine. Wine, for the you to drink wine. Wine, for the you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the order, drink wine. Pop, pop. Wine for the order, drink wine. Pop, pop. Wine for the drink wine. Pop, pop. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some by fifth and some by four. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the order, drink wine. Pop, pop. Wine for the order, drink wine. Pop, pop. Wine for the order,